0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stoned podcast coming back after a small hiatus, but we're going to be consistent, I promise, from now on. Isn't that right, Sam? Oh, sorry, I was yawning. See, this is the type of lack of enthusiasm that's losing us listeners. Sam, you're we're a not, slick we're not losing listeners. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not privy to that information. But we have a very exciting episode today because, Sam, we have our first ever guest on the podcast. Oh, yeah. oh we do? yeah. We yes, have a guest?
1: Oh, my God. This
0: is a complete surprise. I know. It it's, <laughs> Yes. Everybody's falling out of their chairs right now. But let's welcome to the show. Our first guest, my oldest brother, Joel Strauss. How you doing? doing good. Uh, do you guys
2: usually actually smoke before coming on?
0: No, well, no. <laughs> there no. was a time where I attempted to, and let's just say it did not make for very good listening, because uh, I would just zone out and not catch any of what Sam was saying the whole I time. I smoked so. the whole
2: joint, so I'm worried that's going to happen to me.
0: Well, I guess that's an amateur <laughs> yeah. mistake on your end, but we that's all perfect. did it. I mean, like, it just okay. makes sense
2: with the, with the podcast theme and everything. I thought, I thought that was like... It yeah, does yeah. make sense, Yeah.
0: We just think that maybe we're 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 yeah. enough to not be frauds, right? Sam, do you smoke before these
1: shows? No, I have like on a couple, but not uh, not recently. No. Yeah, I have on a
0: couple too. Um, it's just you know, it doesn't always make for the best podcast. But the the point it is, depends. our listeners are supposed to be stoned. Okay, that's where that's where the oh, name yeah. comes from. That helps. Yeah. So. Joel is my oldest brother. He is coming in. This is a trans. This is a this podcast episode spans from border to border this That's week because right. I am calling in from B.C. Sam's coming in from Dot Toronto. And Joel's calling in all the way from. Are you in Fredericton, it's New Brunswick? Right, yeah, Fredericton, right New Brunswick. And oh, what, wow. what? 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 Why do you have the audacity to think that you are a relevant guest on this podcast? I was the one that was like, are you sure? Uh, I mean,
2: Sam did ask me because I have a uh, philosophy degree. So in this podcast, you can find out just truly how useless that degree really is. And then uh, I'm on. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm excited to fi- find out. Um, Joel's also a prolific, prolific musician. He has... Some of his music on Spotify now. Joel, are you going to be removing <laughs> your music from Spotify? Make- <laughs> a protest against Joe Rogan? Um If like I was anywhere near the uh,
2: the uh, status of of, of of someone like Neil Young, then I probably would. But if I took my songs off Spotify, I think I would get almost uh, no attention for that. So doesn't seem like a <laughs> doesn't seem like a useful
0: move. Yes. Unless it's suddenly just people started thinking, wow, did you hear about this small town musician, in Canada? He took his <laughs> yeah. music off. Let's check yeah. him out. And that'll, that'll lead you to
2: know? an explosion in, in my music listens
0: plan. Oh, yeah. It'll be like a David and Goliath scenario. You know, this Joel Strauss guy he's taking on yeah. Joe Rogan. Who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, me and Sam aren't, aren't leaving Spotify for nothing. So. no, <laughs> <laughs> Unless the terrorist group ISIS buys Spotify and uh, it becomes, then we a, might start
1: to see some real money.
0: <laughs> get some of that terrorist money, some of that well, yeah, oh, blood money is that what that is? Yeah, um, all money's blood money though, when you really get down yeah. to it, right?
1: Well, isn't Spotify from like Sweden or Norway or something? I have Norway, no idea. right? One of those lawless because they're like countries. Like, yeah, where is I'm going to google that. Where's Spotify headquarters? It's Spotify
2: just like Stockholm, Sweden. Like I haven't I haven't really been Stockholm, in the the Spotify is like this thing that's like just been slowly taking over for like the past little while. Like it's like big deal that Joe Rogan signed on to it. Pretty much
1: exactly. Pretty much Spotify it, just on is their Wikipedia right now. Right now streaming service i'm pretty sure yeah from their it's wikipedia easy. it says they have over 381 million monthly active well, users. joe rogan gets like 200 cool. million
2: downloads on, um per episode i think or per month i think
1: uh i think it's 11 okay. million
0: so here's so the thing the joe rogan is that if if joe rogan gets pulled from spotify it's not like he's got to give the money back he's still gonna be 100 billion dollars richer and no, no if anything,
1: gonna, they would have to pay him.
0: That's what I'm saying is that is that yeah. Spotify it, like Joe Rogan is has no financial risk if he gets taken off. And also, he'll just go back to using every other platform like he did before. So it's not like it's going to stop people from listening to him. So it's really not like there's there's no real negative. That's an insane, an insane amount of influence. It's just wild. Yeah. I mean, some people got to realize that they, 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 they're, they they should not be turning to Joe Rogan yeah. for these, these things. But like, I, I've lost all faith in like people making good decisions out there with their brains and what they pay attention to.
2: It is kind of a surprise. Like I, yeah. I was actually surprised too, that the Neil Young and Joni Mitchell taking their songs down actually had like a pretty significant effect. Like it probably directly led to Spotify making, taking some action.
1: They did, Spotify, yeah, Spotify does remove
0: certain, in. they do remove specific episodes. I know that.
1: They have. They have censored his podcast. Like they have yeah. taken down episodes. Like, before, like um,
2: they have taken down episodes for other reasons or just not, like related to.
1: Yeah. Like they took down, I think all of his Alex Jones episodes okay, aren't wow. on there. Um, his Chris D'Elia episodes aren't on there. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> his what episodes? Yeah, the Brian Gallant episodes aren't on there. Oh, Chris
0: <laughs> He's just, do you um, know who he is? Comedian? He's a comedian that got in a bunch yeah. of shit for, um, I guess, Sex sliding community. in the DMs of underage <laughs> girls and grooming them for sexual purposes once they turned 18. this book. Which is...
2: Reminds me of this book that someone recommended to me, Lolita. Lolita, Stanley Kubrick made it into a movie. You know that, Sam?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lolita. I don't know, like this, uh Lolita though is like she's the she's like the bad actor taking advantage of older I'm men. not that far yet like he's just he's I think just that's like, like I'm a few, cha- oh, I'm a few chapters sorry. in and I'm just like it's
2: just when I looked up uh, this book it's like considered like one of the best works of the whole 20th century if not the best from what I read on Wikipedia
1: anyway
0: mm-hmm. so it's like what the heck
1: yeah vladimir yeah. nabokov Really?
0: Joel, you got to keep your mouth close to the mic or else your volume's oh, all over the place. Sorry. It's okay. It's your first time as a guest, and we will forgive you. Um, exciting stuff, guys. We did get an email written in this week, so oh we'll leave some time at the end for that. All right. um, anything else you want to tell us about yourself, Joel, that people, they can check out your music on Spotify? Do you, how many albums do you have on uh, there?
2: Right now, I have two albums on there. Uh, since COVID I've also kind of become a watercolorist or what water, watercolorist water, <laughs> watercolor is that what watercolor painter is trying to get into that. Yeah. Okay. There's not really there's not really a great reason NFT why game? I'm here, Jordan. Not really a great reason.
0: Well, the great reason is we're going into new territory by having yeah. a guest. Okay. I have been experiment. a I have been a yeah. fan of
2: your podcast this whole time, so it is pretty cool to be on it.
0: Yeah. that's true i, I but, have, yeah, I, have listened to, I have you? listened
2: to this podcast many times a stoned many many times <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think a lot of our listeners yeah. do um but yeah it's uh you're the first guest so at least if this if this podcast is if people start protesting this podcast one day that's how big we are because sam's become a full-blown racist or something Then you can you can be like, wow! I was their first guest on that podcast, and now look at it—it's so influential. People are. When I think of
2: most likely racist, Sam is definitely the first that comes to mind too. So,
0: me too, man. He's fucking racist. (laughs) Seething with hatred.
1: (laughs) I I said if I was elected mayor of Ottawa, I would make clothes illegal so that you could see. But everybody <laughs> No one can hide their true color. <laughs> Can't hide.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not for perversion. It's not for perverted reasons. It's for everybody to know exactly where they where they are on the spectrum of good and evil. Is that why?
1: <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yeah. Well speaking of Ottawa, there's uh, quite the uh protest happening in Ottawa. I don't know if you guys have been following this, but it was this is not really
0: following it. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Like the type of like who's supporting
2: it. Like we uh, at at the gym, I go to on a big board on a big board. Uh, it just says like twelve hundred dollars of bars have been donated to the Ottawa truckers. Like the nu- like the uh, nutrient bars they sell there or whatever.
0: So it's like right on oh, the yeah. right
2: in, my, in the gym I go to. It's like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the whole narrative of, of it has been completely. I don't know. I don't get. I don't understand. For me, to me, it's like, hey are are our ICU wards at our hospitals still strained incredibly badly? Then, then, then lifting the mandates is going to make that work. I'll tell you, it's going to wor- be worse for everybody's mental health then not being able to go to the gym is our healthcare system collapsing. That will be harder on everyone than anything that's happening right now. But if the hospitals can, you know, if we're in a place right now where the hospitals won't be under an immense amount of strain, then maybe they should lift the mandates. But I just don't think that's the case. I think they're still pretty strained
1: oh yeah yeah i would agree with that
0: that's my hot take and also there's always the shady the shady backgrounds of the people who organize the whole thing and there's all that i don't think that everybody there is a racist homophobe you know uh someone that's out to like just cause a ruckus Mm -hmm. i think that a lot of people there are there for what they perceive to be you know righteous reasons i just i just it just seems a little bit like a big middle finger to like all the ICU nurses in the country, but it sounds exactly
2: me. what happens when you just like walk people in a room for a long time and, and uh they just desperately want it.
0: And they're just so mad
2: about it that they have to, you know, go on to, I'm going to things like this.
0: Yeah. It's just a, it seems like a, like a, Kind of like a just an expression of everybody's yeah, frustration that's, that's with what the I'm scenario, trying to say. but lifting the mandates before the hospitals are ready yeah. for that is not yeah. a good idea. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's very. Uh, I, I I felt like it was like their main like form of protest seems to be to like gridlock the downtown, honk all honk nonstop and just like not uh, not leave basically. So it's like it's a real is- like a. It's real civil disobedience. It's like a siege. It's like a siege of Parliament Hill. And uh, yeah. yeah, and there's a lesser, lesser talked about protest that is also happening on the, the at an Alberta U.S. border crossing. Right. It's so like, there's two. There's two big similar trucker things going similar on. Theme? And there's like a trucker protest in. Oh, sorry. Or are I'm
2: they saying. similar? Like for like similar, similar types of protests.
1: Yeah. Same. Same. Same yeah. exact thing. Yeah. Same exact protest. Um, I just
0: heard about that one today and it seems like it's only affecting truckers that need to get through. Like, I don't get (laughs) the point of that one is you're really like biting yourself in the tail here. Aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's uh part of, part of me is like, part of me thinks that like, there is definitely a, um, like we've all like, you've seen like, like the Nazi flags and stuff like that, that they've been flying i yeah, saw I one nazi flag real,
0: and then a couple yeah. of canadian flags that someone scribbled nazi symbols on which i think is yeah. meant to mean canada is now nazi germany wow. because of the mandates i don't think those ones are you know
1: oh you think they're nazi being Nazis. ironic
0: i think they're putting <laughs> it on the flag to be like this is canada now is a nazi uh, uh state but i think the I only right. saw one picture of an actual <laughs> Nazi flag. I that's did. Uh, I did see that people um, were willing
2: to be like, they They state that they're willing to be there for weeks and even like months, which is kind of yeah. crazy to me.
0: I think that's yeah. a small, I think that's a minority that's actually going to be yeah. willing to do that. I think a lot of people were there for the big weekend where they got to party and feel like they are part of a huge movement. And I, I think mean, those people are going to start suddenly being like, wow, living in my truck it would be sucks. exciting.
2: Like just being in a truck and just honking and, going on a movement. Like it would be exciting just on a physiological level.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it would be exciting. Like I I don't think I would ever participate in something like that just because I'm, I just, I have to be a contrarian (laughs) anytime something popular is happening. It's just who I am. But I can understand the feeling of being like, here we're making a stand, we're part of a movement, we're gonna be part of this change, and we're going, ta- we're marching to the front doors of authority and we're knocking them down, buddy. But uh I just don't think that this I find it kind of funny that we are in in my eyes, we're nearing the end of the pandemic anyways. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if restrictions do lift in a couple weeks, guess who's gonna take credit for it? The people (laughs) that are in the that are organizing this event and those people are linked directly to the Maverick Party, that new political party. So part of me suspects the timing of this is kind of a political play to be like, we're going to this is a good chance to make it look like we were the ones that that. Kind of forced the government to lift the mandates when, in reality, they were probably going to be lifted soon, anyways, based on how the pandemic's going. That's my conspiracy.
1: It's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I, th- I would t- tend to agree. I think it's a. Uh, I think what they really want is they want similar protests like this all over the country, like simultaneously, and that's like the Alberta thing. And they wanted to do it as like a, like a power play, basically. Well, there was a huge rally in my
0: city. I'll tell you that much.
1: Yeah, yeah. In Kelowna recently.
0: Yeah, on Saturday it was big. There was all downtown. It was all. It was looked like Canada Day, but like the IQ, the over IQ was like cut in half. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's just what it looked like. I didn't actually go down there, and I'm not saying everybody that does that is an idiot. I just think that you when you when you they were just doing it in solidarity yeah, yeah. with the Ottawa yeah. protest. So you, the thing about these rallies is you get you get everyone from, you know, vaccinated individuals that just are morally against mandates of any kind, which are like the more sane people. And then you get the but in the same crowd, you're going to get like QAnon, 5G, uh, coronavirus, Hillary Clinton's a lizard types, right? So you get like... You get the whole spectrum of crazy at one of these rallies. Very true. Mm -hmm. Just like at any sort of like liberal type rally, you're going to get everyone from like rational uh, thinkers to like the far alt. I mean, um, what do they call themselves? Antifa type people that. Yeah, that like hate anything that is like they would get mad if you use gendered language. Like there's that type of people, too. So it's just like the extremes on the on each side are are really starting to taint the more moderates on each side. And it's fucking terrifying, if I'm going to be honest. Anyways, do we have a lesson plan today?
1: Uh, We do. Yeah, we can talk about we can take a little trip to the wonderful land of imagination.
0: Because how else do you escape the, do, 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 do. the tremors
1: of World War III other than, you know, dipping into the old imagination for a bit? Yeah, I'll let's get out of here for a second, hey. Eh? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I'm going to read you the quote. This is the first sentence from the imagination entry on the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. And let's just throw it out there and uh, see what you think. See how it jibes with your intuitive understanding of yeah. imagination. Hit me. So, to imagine is to represent without aiming at things as they actually, presently, and subjectively are. Can you say that one more time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah. I wish I could <laughs> just read what you said
2: instead of just hearing it, so I could soak that in better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to imagine is to represent without aiming at things as they actually presently and subjectively are. Yeah. Okay. I think like,
0: okay. So, so it's pretty much coming up about that, with their your own original, it. your original thought without drawing on like inspiration no, that reminds from reality. Me of this
2: Because I'm learning to be a, a painter and like an advice that I, that I heard was like, you don't paint the object. You paint something that looks like the object. Is that kind of in that direction?
1: Oh t- yeah. I think that's, that sounds yeah. like it to me. Yeah. I like that you're, uh, I think like, a. it says like to represent, which means like a painting is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, when you paint a banana, that's a representation of a banana. So you're representing something. And then when you are, what you're trying to represent, isn't something that is actual or Unless present. like your
2: painting style is a hyper realist style. Like most of the time, if you, if you like try to make it the object, look exactly how the object looks, you, you just make it look like a picture. And it doesn't look painterly or anything yeah. like that. It actually doesn't even look good. It looks rigid or whatever.
0: I mean, if you're yeah. looking at a... If you're trying to paint a perfect fruit bowl and you're looking at a fruit bowl and you're just trying to exactly make that image of a fruit bowl appear on the page, that's not really imagination. That's like but all technique. But the person's
2: still doing it through their style, which is a hyper-realist style. Like, it takes like a, a certain... Um, like, it takes like a certain artistic style still. Like, that's just...
0: I mean, does it take an artistic style to do photorealistic pictures of objects? Or does it take just a really, really, really skilled technician with a paintbrush? Well, because if you're not adding your own taste to it, then what, what is the imagination? It's never
2: going to be like 100% like a real picture or anything. Um, so,
0: that's the, Well, but that would only because of the the lack of ability to make it a hundred percent. If your goal is to make it look a hundred percent like with, the object, then that's not really imagination without, without network, any,
2: is it? without some kind of like technology or computer work, you're not going to get a hundred percent just by looking at, uh, like object.
0: I know, but I'm just saying that if your goal is to make it look a hundred percent like that object, are you using imagination that much? Or are mm, you just trying to copy and paste with your eyes? Essentially. Yeah,
2: like that is interesting, interesting. question like, for me, like when I look at it, I, like, I don't want to diss that style. But when I look at that style, I get I just tend to get bored. Some people when they look at that painter, they're like, wow, that's amazing how close you can get it to the real object. And they're into that. And that's cool. But for me, like I like, I don't like that style necessarily. I like when they have like, made it into their own their own uh, image of the of the object.
0: Well, uh,
1: can I yeah. Can I interject? Yes. All right. So I would say that i i think i kind of agree that if you tried to paint something hyper realistically it wouldn't take a lot of imagination to imagine what it looks like because you can just look at it and see it and you like you know what it looks like you don't really have to imagine it but it might require a lot of imagination to solve the actual problems of how yes. to paint something yes. hyper realistically
0: yeah that that to me is 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 what I would categorize as a technique thing and less of a imagination thing unless you're really coming up with the techniques in the moment. like say you've never painted it realistically like that and you're just you're coming up with the techniques in the moment. that I think takes imagination. but i don't I don't think that people necessarily teach themselves how to paint photorealistically I think they're just scholars of technique I would Joel like when I see a really really photorealistic painting of like a bobcat or something especially stuff with like fur I am blown away at the technique but not at the I would never say wow the imagination on this guy (laughs) unless I'd never seen a bobcat before and I thought he made that creature up yeah that's a good point I mean yeah
2: it's like they did there was there was some there it's was true, some imagination like the, oh, in, in oh, the planning of it still, like how they reached that goal. Like there was some there's some creative uh strategizing like to, all the variables all the variables that are involved, like the color, the paint, the uh the composition, uh getting that organized properly, I think takes some imagination just because you're working
0: with with those specific variables. Yeah, but I think that a lot of it comes down to learn technique it depends like what do you think is the because like c- our creativity and imagination those are those synonymous in your opinion
1: yeah ah well according to Immanuel kant they are they are one and well, the same according to Immanuel kant
0: see just i think of, if i look at like an abstract painting see here's the other end of the of uh, the um I guess the spectrum when I look at yeah. like a Jackson Pollock, I'm not necessarily that impressed with his imagination because it seems to be more of just like, this is what came out when I do my splatter process. I mean, I'm sure that he does add certain colors here a little bit more than there. And like, as it, as the painting like progresses, he gets like, he kind of gets a better idea of what kind of colors he wants where. But that to me is almost like on the other side of the spectrum to photorealism. Like there's almost not enough structure for me to be impressed. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Or
2: that like really strange, like very simple, minimalistic art where it's just like a picture of an app like, where it's just like an apple on a stool or something. And it's called, it's called yeah, art. Yeah. And, and you can't, it's like,
0: or like the ones where you see where it's like, it's just three colors, like three bands yeah. of color over a blank canvas. Like they might, the colors might work together well, but I'm not blown away by any sort of, you know, I wouldn't be like, "Wow, this guy's imagination is 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 is, 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 is mind blowing!" Right? It's like he might know how color theory works really well. But so imagination is linked I to I how like successful,
2: to think... like the the imagination is linked to how successful um, the painting is in terms of the beauty of it. Like, uh, is that what you would say? Like how you're?
0: I don't know. Uh, it's just as far as I, I I think that there is a there is a point like the ultra realistic painting. Is on one end of the spectrum, and then, and then the three bands of color that's just so simple is on the other end of the spectrum, and I just don't think that either of those require a ton of imagination, personally.
1: All right, well there there you have it, folks. Uh, if you're an aspiring watercolorist. Just uh, just keep in mind that you don't well, really have thing about that water. Much the
0: thing about watercolor is that you do add your own flair to it, right? Mm-hmm. You might be like trying to capture it a very, mute, It's very, it's very mute,
2: very hard to drip, control to that control that water watercolor. Like it's very 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 hard to do it. Like it's it's hard to make the same watercolor <laughs> painting twice. I would I would say from what I've learned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but also like say like Joel does a lot of like you know, images of like city streets. He's not, he's not going for photorealistic. He's going for atmosphere, which I think requires Mm -hmm. more imagination.
1: You're you're aiming and that plays right back to that original definition where you're, you're not necessarily aiming to represent things as they actually are. You're, you're okay with some things creeping in there that aren't, that aren't actual, that maybe come from your own subconscious whatever
0: in a weird way it might reflect the feeling of being there more accurately. Yeah. you know what I mean
1: yeah could be um, all right so that that's interesting but there are like other ways that I hadn't really thought of before but there are actually other roles for imagination that might we might not think of so quickly and one of the most interesting is mind reading and I don't mean like a psychic. Okay. I mean, um, what's called uh, when you attribute a mind to somebody else. So all of us right now talking together, we all think that we have minds. Yeah. Right? Like you guys think I have a mind. I think you guys have minds. I don't think that you are figments of my imagination. I think you are real people. With real brains and thoughts. That but, is like the nicest thing anyone's <laughs> said to me in a while, dude. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. But I can't see your brains. I can't read your thoughts. I don't actually have any direct evidence that you have minds. You could be figments of my imagination. So one, th- one thought of these philosophers is that you need an imagination to attribute a mind to someone else because you don't have any direct contact to their thoughts.
0: Right. So you're imagining you're kind of filling in the gaps of what you think they are as a person based on just what you are seeing from them.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like, well, there's like this other philosophical, uh, position called solipsism. Yes. And the idea in solipsism is that you are the only, uh, mind. You're the only conscious entity and everybody that you meet is just like, uh, like a creation of your own imagination. So, in one in one sense, you need like the whole world is created by your imagination.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: the opposite of solipsism is that there are tons of minds. The only issue with that is that um, you you can't like see into someone else's mind. Like if you like if you like open their skull, you're just going to see their brain tissue. Um, if you put them in an MRI, you're just going to see different parts like firing and stuff, but you're never actually going to like have a mind to mind connection. And so in order to not like a Vulcan, so whatever you think, yeah, exactly. Like a Vulcan, Vulcan yeah. mind meld. Um, so when you attribute a mental state to someone that is kind of like an active imagination, otherwise it would be like
0: Vulcans. I mean, it does, it does, it does happen every time you have a dream where you're interacting with people, right? Because in that case it is solipsism, right? You, yeah, are attributing, you are attributing the, 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 uh, an actual human to these figments of your imagination. Kind of reminds yeah. me of The Matrix somehow.
1: But when you say like, yeah. Um, and when you say like, um, when you try to, for example, like consider somebody else's perspective, that requires an active imagination to like see the world from their perspective a lost art apparently <laughs> yeah um yeah so that that's a very interesting one um and then another uh, another interesting is uh what's called pretense or pretending so there's like lots of examples of uh people pretending um kids like to pretend you know cops and robbers they imagine that they are some kids are the cops some kids are the robbers
2: and very yeah. important
1: part of the formative a years, criminal? and very important yeah, that,
2: yeah. that people do that from what I remember in psychology, anyway.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, what, is, what
2: does it do? Helps what does just, it do? It's just like prepare to your, your like, whole nervous system for future um, uh, challenges and things like that, right?
0: I spent a lot of time pretending I was a uh, Jedi when I was uh, years I would pretend I was a Jedi for, I think.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: I can definitely tell you that if I didn't spend all those years pretending I was a Jedi, I don't don't know who I'd be (laughs) now. I'd be a complete (laughs) fucking loser.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I used to just sit in school and just imagine that like Qui-Gon Jinn was going to show up, toss me a lightsaber and be like, we need your help, Sam. (laughs)
0: Okay. Your Metachlorian count is so high, dude. Get in here. (laughs) I used to imagine, I used to be like, I remember when I was in high school or like, you know, in the the angsty teen years, I used to always hope and I'd fantasize about like a huge disruption in society that would essentially spend, spin us into like the apocalypse and give me a sense of like purpose. And so I would like imagine like missiles hitting like the building across from our school or whatever and like it being like the the new world war. And I would like fantasize about that happening. And then when I got older, I just, I realized that the only reason I wanted that to happen was because I didn't have anything good going on.
2: That's how bored you were.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think anarchists are just people that haven't figured out how to like enjoy their lives. So they just want, they think like a major disruption in society will, will change that, but they'll just be losers in the new world too.
2: And then like an intense boredom to, to back that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm reading uh, the the book. You've probably heard of it, Into the Wild. Oh, yeah. the movie. Yeah, about Chris. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but yeah. So reading the book, and uh, so yeah, you probably know, but like the guy Chris Chris McCandless. He was like uh, born to like a well-to-do family, but then he like had this life philosophy where it was almost like you can't you can't have any certainty in your life. Like every day has to be like a new day with like an unknown horizon. And if you live like that, only then will you tr- like truly be happy. And, and so free. that's why he thought, that's uh, why he thought
2: like- going into the wild was, was the most uh, important thing to do for that very reason. Cause the wild is so unpredictable. Is that what, is that mm-hmm. what you're getting at? Yeah.
1: I don't know, actually. Um, I think he was all that about... Is, that's probably part of it, yeah. Um, the unpredictableness. It, do you remember he
0: had know. that quote? I don't know if it was he was quoting someone else, but it was like, instead of like love or liberty and whatever, blah, 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 give me truth. And I think that's what he thought being in the wild was, was like the ultimate version of reality because it's just survival.
1: Yeah.
0: After watching that that alone show, like it kind of makes sense to me because you really are. There's nothing about your life that matters other than surviving till the next day. Right? That show,
2: that show seems so to bring you is, just like right back to the fact that like you are an animal too. like that, that, yeah, that idea.
0: Yeah. And you're a very competent yeah. animal, but you are still, you are now directly in the food yeah, chain. That's right which gives them a sense. And the contestants always talk about how it gives them a sense of being alive that they just can't get when they're in society.
2: Like similar similar to being 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 in a war. I don't know, like that kind of like full blooded experience where you're just kind of like always in alert survival mode.
0: Well, you never have a moment where you don't feel like you're fulfilling some sort of purpose, right? Whereas every day in the wild, you have to be like, you know, making sure your shelter's good, making sure you're not getting eaten. You got to find your own food, your own water. There's always a, a task, and I think that's probably what it feels like. Maybe if you're going to war, I don't know. I I've, mm-hmm. I've kind of read and heard that a lot adrenaline. of people that go to war end up. Yeah, but lots of people that go to war end up not seeing battle, right? And they end up not getting that sense of purpose, and they end up wondering why the oh, hell yeah. they're there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember why I brought up Chris McCandless with respect to imagination. Um, maybe he like he was obviously imagining that life would be better, where he imagined that things would work out for him if he went to Alaska. So like hope, hope for hope for the future is like
2: a, a form of imagination, like having hopeful pro
1: yeah. hopeful expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope, hope could be a form of imagination. Ex- expectation. Wow. Can't
0: imagine. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. can't imagine your life improving over the over as time progresses, that's not like you're not going to have a lot of will to do anything, right? Yeah,
2: so upward <laughs> mobility is yeah, is mobility yeah. is a, is definitely a driving force
0: in some way. Because most people are fantasizing day to day what their life is going to be like, you know. In a few years, what improvements do they, what goals do they hope to inc- accomplish and what improvements not a lot of people are sitting there planning, but how it, to make it, it their takes some worse. imagination
2: to like carry all those things with you in the sense of like, I want my life to look like this. and I want to accomplish this and I want this, these parts and I want to live here and I want to have this much mm-hmm. amount of money and I want to accomplish this goal here. Like it takes imagination to bring all those things together, I would
0: say. Yeah. yeah, And a lot of people live their lives without having any sort of like idea what they want from life. And I don't know what they spend their time imagining during the day. They probably do what I do and imagine anarchy or something that'll give them some sort of sense of purpose because they haven't been able to think up one for themselves.
2: So Mm -hmm. anyone that has like a a certain, uh, anyone that has like a certain idea of what they want to accomplish or what they want to do, uh, like everyone has that sense of imagination then
1: if that's related there. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, So there's like, there's actually some, so that's, that's very, very good. And now we can look at like, there's actually some, some ways that imagination can go wrong. Mm Or maybe not. Maybe wrong isn't quite the right word, but imagination maybe doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And these are some theories about um, psychopathology, like autism and some delusions that we can talk about. So the uh, the autism one is interesting um, because the theory here is that autism involves a lack of imagination.
0: Interesting. Is that specifically? I just, I don't know much about autism, but is that,
1: is autism, there's multiple types, isn't there?
2: What are some key features? Oh, of, yeah,
1: yeah. I think like they call it a spectrum. What are some key but, features but, of, um, right. Well, like a big feature, a big feature of, of it is, uh, well, like I'm just reading here, um uh, reading here, uh, children with autism do not engage in spontaneous pretend play in the ways that typically developing children do. Engaging instead in in repetitive and sometimes obsessional activities, and adults with autism often show little interest in fiction. Huh. So that's, that's, it's So that it goes on to a say a
0: uh, lot of like irony. I think maybe goes over there, or uh, sarcasm goes over their head maybe a little bit because
1: mm-hmm. yeah, because it, sarcasm it's... you have to interpret that as not meaning exactly what it says.
0: Yeah, they're very literal with a and lot of it's,
1: things. Is a myth? I think so if you are.
0: I just, I know that a lot of, that's one of the features of autism is uh, social cues that are not direct information often are missed. Mm -hmm.
2: Is it a myth that they develop like very specific, very, like very specific, almost like special skills? Like they hone in on a skill or is that, is that kind
1: of like a myth? I don't know. I don't know. It could, it could be true. Like, I think it could, could certainly be true, but I don't know
0: there are documented cases of people that have uh, like severe autism that can like, for example, they can take one look at a cityscape and then draw it from memory. Like, and then another guy I saw, he could do, he can tell you how every digit of pi, the, you know, the number pie for however long you want accurately. And Mm -hmm. the guy I saw, he said it, he looks at it like it's a, a landscape like a nature landscape he can just describe mm. but it's
1: numbers that sounds very
0: imaginative does but is it like <laughs> i don't know no, i mean the guy it, memory it i think it might be or maybe he's it's just a function of him understanding how Mem- that math works
1: but memory memory is definitely a big part of imagination because like so often right like you do the you do an exercise where you try to imagine some monster or something like that and so often what is the monster just like a collection of a bunch of different parts from a bunch of different scary animals sort of all yeah. thrown together from your memory
0: exactly that's why i really i really appreciate when people like movies can get an alien to look like something i've never
2: what's an example what's an, an example of, what, of that I,
0: hmm. I thought that uh edge of tomorrow had oh, a great I alien remember. that almost I could barely like my mind couldn't even really put together what I was looking at at first because it just moved and looked so different than anything I've seen before. So I thought they did a good job with those aliens, but you're right. Most monsters and aliens in movies are just a bunch of animal parts. We already are familiar mm-hmm. with put together in a
1: certain way. Mars attacks. Yeah. Those, are those, like, those brains. They're so big.
0: Like most aliens have like most (laughs) monsters and aliens have like, you know, a couple eyes and a a maw, right? Yeah. There was definitely like a, there was definitely Um, for a while,
2: just kind of like a certain theme for aliens having like the big brains and like the, the bowl over the brain and and the kind of Mars
1: attacks look. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's some other delusions that involve imagination or seem to maybe involve imagination just out of control. And these are, uh, well, there's a bunch, but like there are two that are mentioned here are uh, the cap grass and the cotard delusion. So in the cap, gra- maybe it's cap gra? I don't know. Cap, gra, cap grass. Uh, so in that, in that delusion, if you have that delusion, you believe that your friends and family have been replaced by imposters.
0: Oh, I've heard of this before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is that like that seems like maybe imagination gone gone amuck perhaps like out of your control.
0: I was Could watching this thing on to... Netflix to, uh, or, um, recently where it was about delusions stalkers and one of the episodes mm-hmm. with this guy who truly believed that he was Madonna's hus- husband.
1: <laughs> Whoa! He
0: truly believed it, and they made a distinction between him and another guy from a different episode who just really, really wanted to be the the boyfriend of this one singer. Right. That's not a delusion. That's an, an obsession. My, Believing you're actually Madonna's husband when you're not, that's a delusion. And there was a distinction. There in my mind, like imagination
2: is, is usually like an advancement in, in ideas like an advancement, not something that's, that's hmm. completely bent to the point where it's just purely false. Um, You're you're whacking something with with that kind of perspective. It's not a
0: yeah. That's that's that's
1: very Kantian Joel.
0: That that delusion where you think your family's been replaced by imposters. I don't think that I would attribute that to like an imaginative mind. As far as like a couple of wires are connected, wrong, right?
1: That's what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Imagination—it sounds like you're saying, Joel, like imagination should be like sort of aiming at something it, like a like when you um, hear something yeah, good like when you hear like
2: like a music that that you haven't uh, heard before. Like, well, that's that's a new style, or that's like something mm-hmm. that I haven't heard before. Like, that's an advancement in in, mm-hmm. in 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 imagination, but also in in hearing other people's imagination okay, yeah. because it took hearing their music other people's music to to uh inspire you to create something new or oh, sorry, i'm away from the i'm waiting for the mic right now like it like when you hear a new style of music that's usually like the evolution of lots of different uh types of music that kind of got combined and then meshed up in an interesting way like like you know like yeah
0: there's also like there's a difference between uh, misinterpreting reality and creating something new in reality.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it sounds like, um, we want imagination to be something more when like something that you do actively and maybe you can like, um, it's something that you are like to go back to that original language, something that you're aiming at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not something you're you're that's misfiring. It's something you do mm-hmm. with intent. Yeah, that's
1: right. Right. It could still be something bad. Like you could still be like a like a some sort of evil serial killer who's having like some fantasy about some sort of. I'm sure Hitler had a great
2: imagination. You, I'm saying. Well,
1: why didn't <laughs> yeah. he make it into
0: art school, bud? Not great well, like, imagination. Yeah. If you think Different of, types like, of imagination, if you think. Right. Like he imagined, uh, how to dominate yeah. all of Europe. Um, but there's also like, you know, the jigsaw killer from the Saw <laughs> franchise, he was pretty creative in his techniques of, you know, making these contraptions like those were, those mm-hmm. were imaginative devices, even though they were used for evil.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, yeah, exactly. pretty creative uh, serial killing there.
0: But <laughs> it, it's not a, uh, it's not a regression. Like it's not like just because things aren't like, just because say music, right. Just because you're not pushing the art form or whatever, you're not trying to make something new that someone else hasn't heard before. You can still imagine like a eight bit song and that's still yeah, using that's your right. imagination. And not all music
2: right? has to sound like new necessarily. Yeah. I mean, but a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of good music, I think like takes something from the old and then create something new with it. Um, But anyway.
0: I think that is like a a basis of a lot of good new art or just new Mm -hmm. art in general is you're taking a bunch of pieces from what already exists and assembling it in a new way.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, Imagination. Maybe this is the last topic that we could do for imagination, and that is knowledge. Imagination. Mm -hmm is very important in the acquisition of knowledge. And one of the, one of the most like obvious ways that springs to mind is uh, scientists have to have a lot of creative creativity, which maybe creativity is the same thing as imagination. Maybe it's not, but they do have to have a lot of creative or imaginative solutions to problems in order to, uh, you know, Test their hypotheses. That proves you know, that. That proves it. that, uh, that, proves that
2: imagination. I mean, that just goes in line with, with saying that imagination isn't necessarily artistic imagination. There's there's different modes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, you think yeah. of like Galileo. He had to imagine oh. the solar system differently than everybody was yeah. telling him it was. That's, and That wasn't that wasn't necessarily a work of art. That was just him <laughs> being able to think of something in an abstract way that maybe other people haven't been able to. Yeah.
1: Well, it's great that you bring up Galileo because they actually mention it, mention him in the Stanford article, and it's it's not in relation; it's in relation to thought experiments. So, a thought experiment is when you sort of imagine some sort of scenario in your mind yeah. to see how it would play out. So, so Galileo had a famous one, which is they describe here, in which he uh, tried to disprove Aristotle's theory of motion. So, Aristotle's theory of motion was that Heavier, ob- heavier objects fall more quickly. Aristotle never tested it. No. <laughs> but <it, Never>. he <laughs> never tested it. Um, so Galileo, for thousands of years, nobody, nobody argued with him. And then Galileo said, okay, so imagine what happens when you take a heavy object and you put it on top of a light object and you drop them at the same time. Yeah. What will happen? And so... So there's like two different ways it could go. You could say, well, on the one hand, uh, if the lighter object falls more slowly, then it should be slowing down the heavier object. And they should both be falling pretty slowly. But on the other hand, uh, it should fall more quickly because the two objects together are heavier than the heavy object by itself. But you can't really... uh,
0: wouldn't it be an easier be thought experiment to be putting something light on top of something heavy and the light thing should fall at a slower rate. So the heavy thing should land, you know, they, they shouldn't remain in contact while they fall. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 From Galileo. Isn't, uh, isn't like any, any theory that you make, <laughs> no any me.
2: theory that you make period, whether it's scientific or whatever like that, just any type of theory is any use of an imagination because it's a theory is that what you would
1: maybe Um, yeah maybe because you're you're trying to imagine you're positing something well it's like you're imagining an explanation
0: I guess well let's think of like Darwin right he took a lot Mm -hmm. of imagination to like not come up with evolution I guess I, I mean did he come up with evolution or was he did he discover evolution
1: um I He's like very widely credited with setting out the the big theory of evolution. Yeah. But I think he's not like the first person to understand that characteristics get passed on to their offspring, for example. There must
2: be like advancements in science that have proven his ideas to be true later on, though. Oh yeah. There was definitely some imaginative Um, theorizing before they were, you know, verified by science.
0: I think his imagination, I think, led him into the discovery aspect of that
1: theory. It is interesting that like when we're talking about um, imagination related to science, it's about you're using imagination to try and find out what's true. Whereas when we're talking about imagination with, um, with like art and stuff like that, you're trying to imagine stuff that isn't actually real you're trying to make, make things up Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. But I guess you could say in both cases, this is probably gonna be pretty Kantian as well, but in both cases you're, you're aiming at some sort of, uh, some, something sort of aesthetic, I guess, like in art, you want to create something aesthetically pleasing. And in science, you want to, a lot of sciences, they like talk about it as being like aesthetically, uh, aesthetically pleasing,
2: aesthetic, aesthetically, like Ah. in, in a, in a, like what name the difference yeah
1: like a like a good like a good theory is like a, like a a work right. of art in like in the sense that it is like it resonates as being true and on some deep level
0: it packs a punch
1: packs a punch <laughs>
0: all right well we should get to the email how all about right. that we, we have, have an here? email Joel you're here for one of the most exciting you things that you guys get
2: an email like once every podcast. four episodes uh, I wish <laughs> Whoa.
1: Whoa. slow down you should be getting more emails
0: <laughs> I know but we got an email I actually told this person in person when I saw her to write because <laughs> we needed emails so that's what I'm doing from now on I'm going up to people in the flesh and
2: like your comedy shows
0: <laughs> yeah so this is from Bonnie Essin very funny comedian in Kelowna BC and she writes hello Ph- Philosopher's Stone team loved listening to the last episode it reminded me of a culty acting workshop i once took the instructor said that the mind could not conjure an image that had not already been seen by the person conjuring it so say you wanted to imagine being in space the images that are in your brain are composites of images you have picked up throughout your life how does this explain where the original images come from or who made them if everything in the imagination has already been seen He didn't explain. I think he mentioned some sort of interconnected bullshit and then talked about his famous students. So typical egotistical uh, art. I mean, acting coach, I guess. Um, He also said that Sting was the greasiest musician ever because of all the technique he uses. So at that point, I distrusted him and his judgment immediately. What kind of techniques? I don't know. Hey, thanks for the great work, you dudes do and keep it up from the only person emailing bonnie thank you bonnie <laughs> can't wait to hear you from you again well, next week
1: <laughs> well i think it sounds like he's talking about uh the collective subconscious either that or genetic memories no no he's, he's saying, saying that like right. any
2: type of image uh, maybe any type of image that you get period uh is like what is he saying like is it like something to
0: do He's essentially saying you cannot have uh, you cannot conjure up, yeah, uh, an image in your mind that isn't stealing image from images you've seen in real life.
1: Yeah, I would ag- I would agree with that. Yeah. You would
0: agree with that? Well, fuck you, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. um, oh,
1: is Bonnie saying is Bonnie saying that Bonnie uh, Bonnie's saying if she you had no that, experiences, you could still imagine things.
0: Yeah, she's saying that there's got to be a way. Yeah, it's possible to imagine things that aren't, uh, just you know. St- D- images of a bunch so like of your, your imagination always
2: is stemmed there. from like a very solid grounded truth of some sort first yeah like some like indisputable
0: so truth. To imagine something that ne- to imagine something you've never seen yeah. before is impossible according to this acting coach
1: in a sense like you can't like i've never seen a pink elephant but i can still imagine a pink elephant right but you're just taking the color pink and an pink. elephant yeah, yeah. and meshing them together Yeah, I think that's what happens. Anytime, well, just
0: like it's just like when they say you can't imagine a color that you've never seen, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can.
0: Uh, But we know that other animals can, so we know it's not that it.
1: They can see them, but they can't imagine them.
0: Yes, but I'm just saying that colors that we can't see exist. And yet, we will never yes. be able to ima- to imagine. Kind of reminds me of that. See if we saw them, then we. It
2: reminds me of that saying. What was that saying? It was like we only can perceive what our senses allow us to perceive. So things could exist outside of that, like colors that we don't even know of, but they're still they're still there. Mm-hmm. they still like that's still a truth somewhere. Yeah. It's just that we can't perceive yeah. it. Yeah. So, th- so that but this person is saying that everything yeah. in our imagination is only limited to that. So that basically our imaginations are quite limited because they're limited to our perceptions
0: right with that being said (laughs) i will say and i hate to bring it back to psychedelics again (laughs) i have had psychedelic experiences where i felt in the moment that i was witnessing something i had never seen before whether it's probably hadn't seen it before abstract geometric pattern in my brain but in that case, I guess I'm not imagining it. It's the the uh, the substance putting it in my mind. So would you would you describe exactly it as imagining. like just
2: like exactly. yeah? Could you describe it? Describe it a little bit to a person who's quite stoned.
0: Well, I would ama- I would say the easiest thing would be like interlocking and moving uh, geometric patterns and colors mm. of things that essentially a lot of patterns that have uh, a lot of color and movement that you would never be able to, you know, draw.
1: You wouldn't be, be able to imagine without, like you the, couldn't, you couldn't, no, you couldn't take the funny.
2: memory of being, <laughs> of being high and like bring it to a, a reality in your sober life somehow. Like you couldn't.
0: I think that people try that a lot, but it just isn't possible. Like I've, I could try and draw the things I've seen and experienced, but it would come out as just a cheap rep, like a cheap. And even if you tried to do that
2: when you were be. high, even if you tried to like somehow produce and i
0: No, you can't because your, your paintbrush will never be able to, to mimic what your brain is putting in your, but even trying to describe
2: it in in some, in some way so that people actually understand what you're always,
0: it always falls flat. It always falls flat. So I remember people trying to describe psychedelic experiences to me before I had had one and I was way off. Like you just can't accurately describe a deep mushroom trip to someone who's never and it sounds
2: really generic been... to people that that are like are sober it's kind of like the room is moving and the shapes are turning into different and it's just like yes. okay whatever whatever that because, is
0: because it's, it's <laughs> accompanied by a fundamental change in your your perception of like of consciousness right so it's not like it's not like you can explain something to a sober person from the psychedelic world and have them understand it if they've never been in that world
1: yeah well i I can say that like when i've done when i've done psychedelics my visuals are usually things that i have seen before like when i do mushrooms i almost always like if i look at like a surface it'll almost always turn into like aztec uh pictographs yeah like every time um pretty much and then if I close like, my you, eyes, I can see some of those cards. same <laughs> pictographs
0: as they were on your trip without being high. Because I can't.
1: Yeah, just like they're just generic, like Aztec, Mayan, like glyphs. Like they are do they Google. are they
0: stationary or are they moving? Stationary. Really? Because I never have. I, I see the thing is I well, do sometimes, like Sam, are you, are you everyone,
2: taking but... something from your sober life, like Aztec imagery and then like imprinting it on your high life somehow? So, like without that sober idea, like it wouldn't, wouldn't work.
1: Well, <laughs> well, what's really going on when you take mushrooms <laughs> and you see the Aztec imagery is you're being contacted by oh, an yeah. entity that oh, wants yeah. you to. That's start pretty obvious. Things. Yeah.
0: Well, I got to wrap this up. My in-laws <laughs> are here to have dinner. Um, uh, but you can write us in, you can write us in, you can write into us <laughs> at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com and yes, uh, please do. And I just want to tease that I might have a cheeky little comedy special becoming available on YouTube very soon and I will make sure to make the announcement when I do. Um, I didn't know what to name it, so I just named it what what it was and it's called uh, Greasy Towny Does Comedy. <laughs> um Yeah, it's pretty gross. But that's what it is. Um and I might change the name. Like I said, this isn't being 20 sold minutes to gonna be Netflix. This is just for fun.
2: Forty minutes, forty Very nice. Forty minutes? That's like a full yeah. on proper special.
0: Well, hour is usually oh, okay. proper special, but this is just a do it yourself. It was just a really fun show. I think the material's funny. It's I'm not. Ta- it's not. I'm not taking it too seriously out there. Um, uh, but I think that uh, if you watch it, you'll enjoy it. So fucking just cut me a break here. Um, anything else to add? Shameless we'll plug. Week. Yeah, I have no shame. Us. Thanks for
2: having me on the podcast. Do the Write philosophy. Of shame. Thanks for having me on the podcast, <laughs> both. Yeah, philosophy of shame.
0: Yeah, oh, check out Joel coming. on Great. Spotify. And you have an Instagram or Joel Strauss
2: or whatever? Uh, dot music art on Instagram. Joel Strauss.com. Yeah, check it out.
0: Wow. A lot of imagination in yep. that name. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Talk to you next week.